0: Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. This is the second part of the two-part interview with Jason Hill, Chief of Design at Aptera. We continue talking about this innovative vehicle and answer some listeners' questions on EV design. Make sure to listen to part one to hear the rest of this thought-provoking interview. Enjoy. We're also seeing something interesting happening in today's world, where you you uh, have a small company, and. Uh, not only are you the designer, but you get kind of pulled into perhaps doing some of the promotion for it, or you know going on, um, you know talking about the car coming out and saying a few words in front of a streamed audience of a lot of people. You know, like the launch uh, stream is what I'm I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah. You know, it was like they pulled you in, and I'm 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 like watching everybody talk, and I'm thinking. At, you know as the designer, is this something that you're comfortable with? Is it something that you embrace? It's interesting. I mean, you see that also at some points with, with Tesla where they'll bring the designer in to mm-hmm. talk. And, and I don't know if that really has happened historically. you know that that will be
1: almost a requirement for you. I mean how do you feel about that? A um, couple things happening there. One is we have leverage, immediate leverage with uh, technology now right? Whether it's, uh, the internet, but essentially we're leveraging, you know, untraditional routes to reach. And that's what it is. That's what reach is. Um, there is traditionally, depending on the company, they're either using design as a, you know, as, as a brand tool and celebrating the designer or designers. In this case, you know, it's, this is not about me there. I'm relating some of the, the process of it, which, which I'm helping to, to, to work but i want the vehicle to be judged and the company and the product to be judged without the person because the vehicle and the product have much more let's say staying power right this this has to outlive me it can't the the company the vehicle the whole process has to be bigger than than a person now the, that we can help tell that story whether it's the founder's perspective whether it's the engineer's perspective um, which I think we'll have some great information coming from our Italian partners pretty soon because it's it's great to hear their you know take on it right um, and then I'm I being being an educator for so long in addition to my professional career um, and experience I really liked the um, ability to spark imagination and and help craft that. That interest in something, so I like to talk about these things, and I like to put it in, a, you know, in, let's call it framing. You know, for example, we're like I said about the uh, the future pulling us forward, right? We're not pushing technology; we're kind of letting the future pull us forward, and we have to be optimistic that efficiency and solar efficiency and batteries, efficiency and everything, is going to improve, and that helps with the authentic- authenticity. So back to the, the shape and the update, we kind of have an evergreen product, meaning we can improve on the software over time. We can improve on you know, minor things, but we're really not going to change the shape. The shape is kind of set. doesn't mean we can't make other vehicles in other configurations, but this one is a very special. That's why it has you know, a little bit of brand recognition with our logo, and it's also why the vehicle it doesn't need a name. It's just aptera.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I guess maybe to bring things to like a little more of a micro level right now, just personally, I'm I'm very curious about the wheels. The wheels. My understanding is that they have motors built into them and three wheels. You know, so what are the the benefits of that, and uh, what are perhaps some of the drawbacks? I you know, I'm I'm thinking, I grew up in New England, so. Uh, I'm thinking potholes. What is the real world experience going to be like, you know, for an Aptera driver?
1: Uh, Let me answer your first question and then address your second one. The first question is the in-wheel motor, which was co-developed with Alafay. Alafay provides some production in-wheel motors. They have amazing technology Um, and they had to work with Aptera to kind of not adapt, but make the best motor that would fit our use case Weight of the vehicle, uh, the need for three, three drive system. Um, And it's amazing, but sorry, sorry. then we, so that's the Alafay question, right? That's our most efficient way to put motor or put power to these, these wheels. Um, Your second question about the dynamics, uh, the beta vehicle has been testing repeatedly um, over the past months, both in simulation and in real world to map out all those, you know, hard curb, pothole conditions, and, and we we've gone. Uh, I was addressing this last week too. We we now have the final, let's say, steering envelope, so we know how to eliminate any conflict where, when you turn uh, and you're under uh, suspension, your wheel pants are not going to come in contact with the ground, right? And it just it was a process that was a long time coming because we we were constantly adjusting the, the the envelope to optimize it once it's optimized, then we can go outward and say okay let's optimize this the shape and the bottom of the wheel pants um, We are conscious also you know new England we're conscious of water and and snow build up you know we have to, we have to be careful about the wheel liner that we don't we don't restrict the uh, the tire within a wheel liner where it causes hydroplaning within the wheel pan. And that's something that I learned. I I wasn't, you know, even prepared for that, but I've always known we have to, you know, keep debris out and and also, you know, mud and and, uh, build up like that. You know, example, we always got the question, is there going to be a windshield wiper? Mm. Yes, there is. And, you know, eventually we had the ability to release what that is, where it is. We know the supplier, we know the range, all that. Um, And then defrost all the other environmental things uh one of the biggest problems with lighting is the way that the lights kind of get the condensation and or they they yellow over time with uv and then they have a condensation buildup. so one of the things we're doing with our uh, some of our lighting features uh silicone uh optical silicone lenses which is pure, won't yellow, and also very heat resistant, right? Because LEDs generate a lot of heat or can generate a lot of heat. And that learning process for the supplier and also bringing their best technology is, is you know, it's reflected all over the vehicle.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit. I'm going to do something that I don't usually do on the podcast. But I, I was really excited about having you on. And I uh, put out to social media for folks to ask some questions, because I thought, well, maybe there are some things that I didn't think about. So um, I have one, two, three, four, actually one of them is more of a, a comment, but uh, maybe a jumping off point. But the first one is Gary H. Uh, why would you choose a particular charge port location and also the cost benefit of heat pump integrated design needed to provide a real benefit? Um, and I think he was uh, using VW as an example there.
1: Um, so, so those couple things. Okay. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know about the heat okay. pump question. I've heard the term, but that's, you know, I, I know I know enough to not answer that okay. because I just don't know what exactly that means. But that's an engineering question that, that it sounds like we should be doing a heat pump. And it sounds like we either, you know, Obviously, if that's so important and so efficient, that's our goal. And let me let me answer or part partly answer it this way or discuss it this way, not answer it. Um, There are a lot of things that we want, but they might take five years to get or three years. We don't have that time. We need to set a target and go with what's best and available for this and then improve from there. We also our company and this product and process is nimble enough that we could build the first 10 with um, you know, X component until we get the X plus one component, which then we can add on the 11th vehicle and we can build the next 500 or 5,000 on on that. So overall we'll be able to add and refine without being locked into hundreds of thousands. Right. Yeah. Like turning on a dime. So we have a, we have a nimbleness in that. And then what was the first one about the, the charge port location?
0: Yeah, charge port location, That that is interesting. I mean, I, I used to have a Nissan LEAF, and I thought that's a really smart place right up front. The Teslas have them on the rear, you know, taillight. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I guess what is the thought with that?
1: Uh, well, there was a lot of thought and a lot of iterations. You know, it should go here. It could go there. It must go here. It, 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 a lot of input and a lot of uh, trial and error, and it comes down to a firm decision of, Given everything that we have and taking the chance with the uh, NACS, the the Tesla Charger, um, it's best suited to be in the center Mm -hmm. at the rear, right? Uh, We consider a lot of places, but they cascade into the kind of, they end up as all bigger compromises that have more detrimental effects compared to what we have at the rear. And the rear is interesting because we've got the center location, so you don't need to be, you know, which side is it on. Um, it's a very small, excellent package. It uh, isolates the the, the charging ports so we can, you know, protect for environmental conditions. And it just, in the end, it's just the best place for it to be from from all angles, and for this specific vehicle.
0: Well, and that's interesting too, uh, because I, I had a old Mercedes back in the day, and it was. Right in the middle and the back and, uh, you know, uh, kind of flip up the uh, the
1: license plate to fuel. So that, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. So, and in, in, in let, let's stay on that back there for just a quick second. Um, our alphas, you had to flip the plate up, but you can't hide your license right. plate legally. So that's why they move to the side. And it's not it's not an electromechanical. That is a physical, you'll have to move it. It's a four bar, you know, little, little, hinge and it's held in place with magnets. And then we have the light and the, the light is there because it has to be, you know, illuminated right. at night. And there's some very specific rules about lighting a motorcycle license plate, and it can't be too bright. And it has to, it has to meet foot photometry over the entire plate of a certain, um, amount. And, We went through all kinds of ways to get there. And in the end, we're doing it with a single LED and a silicone optic that is brilliant in its efficiency and its effect. And then we got, okay. so what do we do with the reverse indicator? And we move them from the left and right to to that uh, circular module because we have to indicate that we're in reverse. And it's very easy to add a few more LEDs um, and have that, have that function, right? And because frankly, we needed we needed the space left and right in the tail lamps, uh, just for area required for illuminated area and right. the intensity. Okay, that's really cool. Sure. Next. Yeah, we have a question
0: from Daryl C. Thoughts about vehicle to home? You know, I guess we've been seeing a lot of stories about that lately. The F-150 Lightning perhaps is the best example of that where you can, in case of a power outage or something, you could feed power back into your house. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, My thoughts on that is it sounds great. I don't know how to do it because I'm I'm not an electrical engineer. I know that, that others have spoken to it, that it's, it is entirely possible. I think that the official position, I've heard Chris Anthony say this, so I'm going to repeat what he says, is that there is no standard, but the idea or the, the complexity is not, like right. it can be done. And if it can be done, then why wouldn't we do it? Sure. Especially with our uh, you know onboard solar charging. I, I hope we have that. I'm sure we will someday. Yeah, there's a lot of talk
0: about that now. So, Dan C, um, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to speak to this, but uh, one of the unsung heroes of EVs is the power inverter. I am interested in Tesla's versus other manufacturers.
1: Yeah, I'm going to play the EE card. Like, there's somebody has a great answer for that, and that's (laughs) not me. Sure. Now, I am aware that we have a power inverter, and I'm I'm pretty sure I know where it's packaged because we have to be. You have to be aware of of all the um, all the components and where they fit inside the, the, the structure that is this Aptera vehicle, right? And it, it's incredibly efficient with our use of space and distribution of, of power. Yeah, it has to be. Sorry, and when I say distribution of power, I'm, I'm thinking specifically, because I've got the image in my head, but you know, we're, we're doing a voice podcast. Um, I was recently looking at the full data set of the high voltage and low voltage and associated components, um, all that CATIA, all that CAD, in my visualization program, uh, which I'm using Blender. So I've converted the CATIA files into, uh, I guess, an OBJ file, and then looking at how those route through the vehicle, and it's amazing. It's beautiful by itself. So again, we're gonna we're gonna show some of that elegance and beauty and engineering, and that's you've seen you picked up on it because you connected with me. Through LinkedIn. And we're going to start to show more of those, uh, you know, under the skin images. But that that beauty that the low voltage system and all of its components and the high voltage system and how they're separated between the wet zone and the dry zone inside and out, it's great. It's just awesome. Well, and
0: again, that kind of, kind of speaks well to, uh, you know, Steve Jobs and Apple. He, he always said that, you know, yeah, you have your iPhone, but, you know, you can make it look beautiful on the outside. But he wants it to look beautiful on the inside as well, and I think the beauty on the inside yes. has to do with efficiency, and and logic, and doing it the way it should be done. So that that's really interesting.
1: There's a profit margin available for that mm. beauty, so you're not in a race to the bottom where you're doing you know you're cutting margin to get more, um, let's say market share, and Apple's a perfect example of that,
0: and uh, the last one I have I said you know this I think more like a comment but I think it's interesting it's Ray C and uh, Ray says take a look at the new Hyundai Ioniq 6's design it says a lot as to aerodynamics but everything has limits as reflected by aircraft designs since people cargo fuel must be carried many EV owners do not correlate speed versus efficiency and go very fast Reducing range and increasing cost of operation, just like the planes I used to
1: fly. So. Yeah, that's great. That is an awesome, um, and he's right. There's, you know, y- there's some fantastic EV designs. Um, EV as a concept is not new. It's just now come to its place, its proper place in in the in the in the, in the modern time, but also in the in the future. Um, yeah, I, I see vehicles that are out there, Ionic 6, and, and even some of the other current offerings from the, from the Hyundai, Kia group, um, I, you know, what Tesla's doing in the automotive space is just amazing. Um, and then, what was the last part that he said? Uh, he said, or many
0: EV owners do not correlate speed versus efficiency and go very fast, reducing range.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, I had this discussion recently a couple times where you know, we were talking about EV and range and you know, how do you know how many miles and we were, we were discussing how now you can calculate all these things including temperature, uh, altitude, wind and, and you, you kind of know exactly how many miles and it fluctuates during that, that drive. So whether you're driving fast for, just for fun or for you know, time or whether you're driving slow for efficiency... You can know exactly where where those numbers are. And we were bookending it with, you know, growing up with an ICE vehicle or having an ICE vehicle. Well, how far can you go? I don't know. Well, how much gas do you have? Oh, I've got three quarters of a tank. Well, how far is that? I don't know. i got three quarters. Or I have an eighth. of It was for how many decades we just went by volume of liquid and guessed right. how far we could go. Like, oh, I guess it's low. I'm in the red zone. I better fill up. Right? So it's a whole shift in that way of thinking. Um, but there's the ability to calculate if we go, you know, this is me more philosophical, the ability to calculate all these things for, for the lowest cost possible is what, you know, what the digital revolution has brought us. And we can know all these things and, and communicate all these things to the user. And in. In, in an incredible way. That's why the future is just pulling us along. It's just an amazing time for all of this, and when we when we apply it to a a product and a company like Aptera and our EV, um, it's just wildly fun and, and it, interesting, right?
0: Yeah, and and the the education piece, you know, is just so important because um, the EV I had before the EV I have now was a, a 2011 Nissan Leaf, so. They famously called you know it the guessometer <laughs> as far as range, because that was really <laughs> the early days of you know the, the the most modern EVs that were out there. So we've come a long way, but I, I still hear stories of people with like F one hundred and fifty lightnings and and I think it's going to be an ongoing um, challenge with people that are brand new to EVs um not understanding that cold and speed and wind and rain and you know a lot of these natural you know effects will have an effect on your range. Sure. It's it's a whole different way of looking at it. So that, that's a like I said, an ongoing challenge I think. And uh I think that's where some of us that have been with EVs longer have that experience and and
1: almost know it intuitively correct and he but it also has gotten better right it hasn't gotten worse right you know the the thing that was the big fear has only improved and look at a company like Tesla they spent 10 years they spent a decade building a network and a product with zero advertising and the rest of the industry was building excuses during that time you know not all of it but in, in the majority um but now there's a there's a massive shift on the consumer side and when you think about just the charging experience when you know what it takes to either charge up at home or go to a destination charger or or a supercharging network um that's it it's not going to get worse from here in fact it's it's rapidly right. getting better and you, and you this little device this little smartphone remotely can tell you everything you need to know
0: no that's right that's absolutely right yeah. So those are those questions. Um, I guess in general, you know, again, it's a small company. What kind of challenges have you faced kind of working with them, and what have you had to
1: overcome designing for it, Tara? Um, I, I I think the whole process is a challenge, but that's what makes it fun, right? Because they're all are all things um, to address. There, it's a complex, you know, product. Uh, I used to essentially instruct that you think about a vehicle, and it's it's a collection of products. There's an exterior, there's a methodology for production, there's an interior, and interior is, is a collection of products by itself. There's a chair, there's a something you grab, something you touch, something you turn. So it's it's a really really complex product to begin with. Uh, the challenge has been you know getting the right connections with the suppliers, which we've done. And the challenge in the beginning was finding the right people who would question if it was right but also be with you in the goal right so you want you don't want okay i'll do it because you said i'll do it you want the dynamic where are you sure you're doing this the right way because it's the right thing so i've been able to kind of build that let's say team and then experience next level which is when you get into the design for manufacturing and the way that it Came down to specifically for for me and the and the engineering partner was oh we have a problem no we have an opportunity mm-hmm. so what's the best way to capitalize on this opportunity so then you you zoom out and you say okay well who in what part of the company is doing the most efficient best work and you you kind of aim for all of that and especially in let's say scale up mode now you want you want not necessarily an expert in one. Place or one space, but a person who has the intelligence to pivot and apply their skill set to something new, while also learning. Um, So the growth of the company that way—that's been the challenge. Um, And then you know the the successes that we have internally, and now we're projecting externally. You know, it's it's we're at the beginning of this, even though we're at the end of the production. Design. We're at the beginning of the the, the rest of the company and, and everything we can do with the, this product.
0: Now, I'm I'm assuming that you've uh, driven the vehicle uh, a number of times. Is that a, a correct assumption?
1: Uh, yes. Okay. How many times? D- do you have an idea? Uh, probably a yeah, roughly a dozen. I mean, because it's it's so busy, and now we have the other one uh, not available. Uh, in a perfect world, we'd have uh, we'd have you know, 12 already. Um, But we are also moving to... uh, Our production methodology is not... is a little bit untraditional because we don't need prototype tools to make prototype parts. We're going to go straight to production tools because we don't need as many and and we're going to make parts from production tools. So we'll be able to not skip, but improve that process, let's say. Um, And I think you'll be... I think we're in a few days. There's going to be a really interesting production, you know, official Aptera kind of. This is how we're doing what we're doing, and it'll address a lot of those questions. Okay.
0: Now, what is the experience like driving it?
1: Uh, it is spirited, nimble. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit difficult because we don't have like the final f- full Delta materials in there, so we don't know exactly what the noise is. But it's not a it, it's not a it's not an issue at this moment. Right. Um, and it's very responsive. You are very quickly adapting, let's say both to the yoke steering and also the sight lines, um, out the side windows and and to the mirrors, but you're also quickly using the tools that we've given you, meaning the, the screens in, in a natural manner, right? You're not fighting this adoption. It becomes very familiar very quickly.
0: Now, um, cameras or mirrors, is there a difference between three-wheeled vehicles and four-wheeled vehicles as far as
1: that's concerned? Yes. We have to have some uh, mirror surface, analog mirror surface, on the exterior of the vehicle uh, to, to meet the motorcycle okay. regulation. The cameras on those mirrors are feeding this, the uh, vision assist system screens Directly in front of the the driver, the upper screen is giving you the image from behind, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's a a reverse camera that will allow you to do that. And the goal is we can launch with those, this vision assist system, and then we can work to improve um, the location of the screens. And again, we don't have time to develop the perfect screen, but there's really good ones that are available for production. So we might build 100 with this screen or 5,000 with the the screen that's available as we develop or co-develop the the item that would replace it. Um, So we've got the reverse. We've got the uh, rear vision. And I've been driving a product prior to the Tesla um, that had full – well, you could switch between a mirror Mm -hmm. or the vision screen. And for three years, I, I, I never used the mirror. It was, you just get used to seeing the vision screen and it's better. And there's a lot of cars now that have that, that it's, it's a screen mirror, that yeah. is a mirror, right. is a screen, is a mirror, is a mirror, yeah. Um, we, we don't need a mirror in the center, on the inside. Right. We need a screen. The mirrors on the outside are for regulatory purposes.
0: Is that a little maddening as a designer to uh,
1: kind of be limited in that way? Um, excellent question. I'll answer it this way. Our mirrors are really cool, but it would be great if we didn't if we didn't need them because it would be less aerodynamic disturbance. Right. And we would like to maximize that efficiency right because that's what this is about. right.
0: Then uh, also something I'm curious about. you're living in the here and now Aptera's you know launch edition, really hot. It's where everybody's kind of focused. But as a vehicle company, you have to also be kind of looking down the road to the future. What about other products? You know, you mentioned earlier, Aptera is called Aptera, but that doesn't mean that there won't be other, you know, other vehicles coming up. Uh, is there yes. work being done on that simultaneously while still kind of in this Aptera? We need to launch a vehicle world.
1: Uh, right now, it's all focused on this vehicle, okay. right? Because that will, you know, the vehicle leads to the health of the company. The health of the company leads to the, the, um, you know, the growth of the company, and the application of all these great technologies and methodologies onto this product, as and build as many as possible. At the same time, though, and and prior, and it's not been a distraction. Is we can take the key tenants of Aptera and apply them into a segment that either exists or find a space like this where it's creating its own segment? So the, the short answer is yes. We know wh- how to take everything about aerodynamics or composites, especially this you know SMC process, and make different types of vehicles. But we don't get to do that until we've succeeded. To a level with this one, right? Because otherwise, you're gonna you you run the risk of, like you said, is it a distraction? We don't want it to be a distraction, but we're able to show investors and others um, that how it might apply to another segment.
0: Yeah, and you talk about investors. I I think I saw something the other day. Um, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or if it was on Instagram, but an Aptera in a really snowy location and and it was said that it wasn't for testing but it was for investors so that's interesting that you're able to bring the vehicle out to different places and kind of show it off
1: yes there there was a specific event um you know the vehicle was in uh modena italy at the cpc group okay and it turns out that you know st moritz or st moritz in, in switzerland is not that far away and there was a, an event where um it would bring together a lot of interesting entrepreneur and investment opportunities so that's why it's in that location Hmm. that was really neat to see it's a striking yeah i've seen some other images from from steve that are you know it's in the snow at the beautiful swiss mountains like postcard perfect yeah and that's that's evocative of you want that kind of stark um reality right Yeah, I love making my renderings because they they come from the same data that we're building. But when you have the actual vehicle and there's real people and you see their genuine um, interest and excitement, even skepticism, you know, scratching their head or whatever. Fine. Right. But you you want at least you, you have a you have a discussion about
0: it. Yeah, that's great. That's great.
1: Anything that I haven't touched on that you'd like to talk about? There could be, and it might be one of those, you know. Oh, I wish I had a chance to talk with uh, with with Stuart about this. So uh, at this point, I would say no. Okay. Um. Thank Thank you for the time, and you know, you could uh, essentially call me back if you want to absolutely follow up on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I very well might take you up on that. I, I just really, really appreciate your time. You bet. And uh, was so looking forward to this. This has really been wonderful. Uh, I can't thank can't thank you enough.
1: Okay, I, I appreciate that, and thank you. Um, you're very, very welcome. I know that we're now getting to tell a little bit more of the story, right? Right? There's been so many questions and so many things, but now we just focused on getting everything ready, and and not all at once, but especially going forward over these uh, during this accelerator campaign. There's some great surprises and more information and more detail coming out that that anybody will a- appreciate if they have any interest in Aptera. So. Thank you, Stuart. I appreciate it. Sure, thank you, and uh, best of luck with everything. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for
0: listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, and share, as that's the only way we can continue to grow. Now you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.